A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, you're listening to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. This is a Weird Tales revisited episode, um, maybe unexpectedly falling into your feed. And uh, I'm joined, as always, on these episodes by Mr. Rick Duff. Hello there. Uh, so if you are on uh, Facebook and Twitter and the social media stuff, you would have seen this. If not, you're just hearing about it now. You might have been thinking, where's Weird Tales? We've had to take a little bit of a break uh, due to personal reasons, but I thought I'd still get Rick in to do a revisited. And I may be, uh, Rick, I might get you in again to uh, cover the gap because I don't think Weird Tales is going to be back till May. Are you spoiling me? As a guess, we've said May, question mark, multiple times. Uh, but yeah, so you've got a revisited. And I know people like these revisited, and it's a real good... Uh, topic anyway it was a real treat for me to delve into so yeah we're talking about the highgate vampire yeah so what did you know about this before your research for the episode rick like nothing nothing at all um mm. the only thing that i could remember was you guys briefly mentioned it and you know obviously yeah. hence why we're covering it but i couldn't recall any of the details about it and my god is this one a layer cake yeah, it's um, there's more to it than I thought. I thought, oh, maybe we'll get something out of this. I remember talking about it. I don't remember talking about it much. And I went back and dug through old episodes to try and find where I talked about it. Mm. And I talked about it on episode 79 with my cousin. It was when I took my cousin around London oh, wow, um, cool. for the Weird London episode. And we walked around Highgate Cemetery. Mm. And the reason I don't remember researching it is because on that episode, I took him around. But the only thing I said to him beforehand is... There's this thing called the Highgate Vampire I've heard of. Will you research and look into it? And that's the bit you can tell me. And all the other stuff, I'll like make a walking tour and lead him around. Hmm. So he did, but he didn't do that much research. Sorry to like <laughs> throw you <laughs> under the bus, James. But he was very much just like, yeah, it's this thing. And um, I was sort of none the wiser. Uh, the only name that really rang a bell to me was um, David Farron. Yes. Yeah. Because I'd met him. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, small world. Me and Tiss had gone to a paranormal talk day, 
Mm. Um, it was like ASSAP was the name of the organization to put it together. I can't remember what that stands for. Association for Spooks and Spooks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's where I met um, Reverend Peter Laws, who we had on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so it's where, it's where I met him. Uh, I was sat next to him at, at the day. But we we one of the big events of the day there was like, oh, we've got David Farrant here talking about the Highgate Vampire. And I didn't know who that was. And we mm. watched him get up on stage and it was an absolute disaster. And it was <laughs> hilarious because he was sort of like um, shuffling onto the stage and messing up his microphone and trying to play YouTube videos and making all sorts of technical <laughs> oh, pause ups. And... From, from what I've read about him, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he's a really interesting guy, but it was the it was the highlight of mine until this day because he got like shirty at someone's question as well. He was like, "What the bloody hell are you asking me?" Like it was very, <laughs> it was very funny. And he never said vampire; he always said blood sucking vampire every oh, single nice. time. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's so. My only history of it was him talking about it at that day, which I didn't know what he was talking about. Hmm. And my cousin relaying a bit of the story to me, but not in much detail. So yeah. this really is me researching it for the first time. And it's a doozy. It certainly is. Yeah, it took so many interesting turns when I was doing the research on it. It's it's quite fascinating. And I'm sure even in the sort of two pages of notes that I've got here, I probably haven't covered half of it. No, no. I did a very cursory overview of it and um some of the, i just wrote down some of the bullet points of the key events and when i was certain twists and turns happen in it i was making me laugh out loud but yeah. i'll be like wow this is crazy thinking that's kind of the end of the story and then the next paragraph when we go oh my god yeah, there's, so a, there's always just a little bit more that, that little bit more it's great it's yeah so good. and the, the two characters at the center of it they are well they really are characters they certainly are unbelievable very british yeah, it's this David Farrant guy who, um, the guy that me and Tiss saw, who's now, who's now died as of April 2019. Oh, really? He's passed, yeah. Hmm. Uh, and then the other guy is still alive and kicking, I think the Sean Manchester guy. Yeah. Um, both presidents of rival <laughs> societies. I found that bit so funny, yeah, because you've got the, uh, one's the head of the British Occult Society. Yeah, and that's Sean. The other, yeah, David was apparently, I don't know if he was the head of or just in the British Psychic and Occult Society. Yeah, he's the president of it. I've got it here, yeah. Oh, the president, <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, like, so, both the presidents of these rival organisations, which yeah. is really funny. But yeah, it goes, it starts all the way back in... Well, it really kicks off in 1970, mm. but some of the sightings and stuff around Highgate were sort of late 60s, like 67 onwards, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what you've got as like the earliest sort of thing on your timeline. Um, no, it's around 1970 that uh, that I caught it, really. But I, I mean, I suppose that the real sort of foundation for all of it is what was going on at the time culturally because it was it was a really interesting time in history really because apparently witchcraft was outlawed until 1951 in the uk i mm. didn't know this and so they repealed it and that was part of what caused this sort of surge in um the occult and a love of the macabre again and and horror movies as well i mean it's the time where uh, things like hammer horror movies were coming yeah, out yeah yeah it's like christopher lee as dracula and it's like one of those things got really into the public conscience at the time i think uh sort of times were, were changing a little bit people were really worried about like satanists and stuff oh yeah for sure yeah, yeah it was like Is a it, big deal yeah the satanic panic 
Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, especially in America, all that stuff when they were trying to like outlaw D and D and all that stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was just rife because it was like it's like the gates had been opened and everyone was into all sorts of things according to the media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I so the the main thing that it did the main stuff did really kick off in 1970, like you say, because that's mm. when the big famous uh, newspaper headline that was in the Hampstead and Highgate Express, the front page said, "Does a a vampire walk in Highgate?" Um, but there were some, when you dig into it, there were, there was like precedent for like weird goings on around the cemetery. And a lot of it is to do with what you say, like the, the satanic panic and people just messing around in graveyards and shit. But, um, the earliest case I've got is 1967. Oh, okay. I, that one skipped me. What did you find? This is when, um, two girls walking home one evening past the graveyard uh, both claimed to have witnessed uh, the dead rising from their graves. Oh, sorry. Were these the two that talked to Sean Manchester? Oh, I don't know. That's I didn't have them talking to Sean Manchester. I just saw these, this was reported in, in, an, in an article that I read. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It, they, may, they may well be, probably, because... Uh, when the when this stuff started coming out in 1970, they started gathering um, sort of sightings and reports from the years leading up to it as well, digging into it. Mm. So there was a lot of people who talked about, um, you know, the classic like walking past and getting like a rush of cold over them and all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. someone said they felt a cold hand like hold on to them at one point. Um, there's the dead rising from their graves, these two girls. And someone else said they sighted a tall man in a hat who disappeared through a wall. Hmm were the main sort of sightings before 1970. And then obviously 1970 is, is the real kickoff. Yeah. And the, the things that I read about what got um, Farrant and Manchester uh, involved in this, and it's, it's just, it's such a weird rivalry. Like I've got, I've got to say right, right off the top, it just seems like a case of two people who thought they'd found their sort of fame. And they yeah. just wanted to keep on sort of churning it and chugging it and getting out whatever they could. Because it's such like a niche <laughs> thing that exists only for a brief moment, but they managed it somehow. But apparently David Farron uh, allegedly received a call from an accountant who went by a fake name who claimed they had seen a seven foot tall black figure in Highgate Cemetery. Mm. Um, and he alleged that the accountant had got lost when walking in the cemetery and followed the sound of church bells. Um, but instead of finding a church and any bells ringing, he found this sort of shadowy figure. I uh, couldn't quite make him out. It was just like this dark seven foot figure in the night. Um, mm. And the accountant allegedly said that he was paralyzed entirely, was unable to move. And he said uh, that he felt whatever it was was sucking the life out of him and draining his mm. energy. Classic vampire. Have you ever been to Highgate Cemetery? You know what? I haven't had the pleasure. I would love to go because it's one of those classic Victorian cemeteries, isn't it? Yeah. I tell you what, um, just listen, I listened back to that episode of me and James and um, I did really enjoy it, actually. At the end of this episode, I'm going to put in the clip of us talking about the um, vampire so you can hear how... One, I can't believe how enthusiastic I sound about everything. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I sound younger. It wasn't that long ago, but I'm like so buzzing all the way through. Um but we listening to it really made me remember being there mm. because I remember recording it and it really was, I'd never been there until that time and it's huge and it is really like crumbling and old and mm. sort of higgledy piggledy and uneven and it's vast. It's a really amazing place to walk around. Yeah. Cause it's proper old tombs, isn't it? It's not just like graves. It's like these yeah. looming tombs. We we didn't get to walk around it as much as I'd hoped because I didn't realise 
that there's gates they lock mm. it at a certain time of night the yeah. main area so we only got to the main bit maybe 10 15 minutes before they closed it mm. um so we got ushered out but then we walked there's a bit next to it that's not gated off we walked that's where we recorded yeah um but it's a really impressive place to visit it's kind of out the way though if you're just going into london yeah it's quite a walk from the station it's one of those ones that I've always wanted to do because it looks amazing. And, mm. and just for the for the benefit of the listeners who don't know, um, Highgate Cemetery was, a, as, as Bob said, a massive sprawling Victorian cemetery. And it opened just after we had uh, a big cholera outbreak in the UK. Um, apparently there's lots of bodies everywhere and it got so bad that uh, like decaying matter started to be found in the water supply. So it, it got nice. really bad body-wise. So... The government then passed the Private Cemetery Act to try and sort of counter it, and private cemeteries started to spring up across the city, and Highgate was one of them. Um, it was run by a company called the London Cemetery Company, who also ran six other sort of higher-end cemeteries in London. Um, but then, in 1960, the London Cemetery Company went bankrupt, and uh, apparently the estate was absorbed into the United Cemetery Company, but that's where the wheels fell off and everything went horribly wrong. So they just didn't maintain it. It become overgrown. And because there was no one watching it, you know, people used to break in, it invited teenagers, and then the media started saying cultists as well. Yeah. So, well, I'm, really, I'm impressed with your, uh, with your Highgate research there. <laughs> oh, I was, I was loving it. It was great. I, I, I found loads of videos online of people walking around it and uh, a few little write-ups here and there. Oh, yeah. So you watched some footage of it and stuff, then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I really recommend anyone who's listening, um, check it out. After this episode, go and look at some footage of Highgate Cemetery. It is, mm. like, creepy and beautiful. Yeah. I, the feeling of being in it, I can imagine in that era... And all this witchcraft's going on that's in the media and that, like, really, you would get your imagination running away with you. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny just how the papers push it. But, you know, it's, uh, it's like our good old friends at the Daily Mail. <laughs> there's, there's always a uh, sensationalist headline to be had. Yeah. Yeah. So the 1970 headline um, about the Does a Vampire Walk in Highgate, that was mm. obviously inspired by these sightings and these claims and stuff. Um, David Farron had claimed to have seen a grey figure. Now he is adamant that he never once said it was a vampire. Yes, yeah. He he just said a grey figure. His first thing it was a grey figure. Yeah, that's exactly what I read. And that was what he was so bent out of shape about when me and Tiss saw him, which is why he was like, "Listen, quote." I never said I saw any blood-sucking vampire. That was the first thing he came out on. <laughs> when me and Tiss didn't know who he was and didn't know about the case of the Highgate vampire, yeah. someone, the first thing he said on stage was that, and I was like, well, who the fuck is this guy? Then I thought I was here to talk about vampires. He's just like, I never saw a vampire with his opening gambit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he's so he was a local magician at the time as well. This David Farron, oh, right? Wow! Oh my <laughs> god, another layer. <laughs> yeah, he's, there's a lot to this guy. Uh, local magician David Farron claims to see a grey figure. Yeah, so this is 1970, um, and around the graveyard at the same time, lots of dead animals found, um, all drained of blood. Mm, I read uh, that. Apparently, some had puncture marks after getting autopsied. Lacerations on the throat. Ah, yeah, there's a lot of it. So. Again, this is when you've got this Satanist stuff going on and people dicking around in graveyards. Some of this might be people trying to do rituals and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but this is the stuff that was happening in early 1970 that was like that led to this um, this headline. 
but yeah, like I said, David never said it was a vampire. The first to say it was a vampire was, previously mentioned, Sean Manchester. Yes. Who was a self-proclaimed exorcist and vampire hunter. <laughs> and, <laughs> let's not forget, head of the British Occult Society. It's a bit of a coincidence that a man who claims to be a vampire walks in his life as a vampire. Straight away. Like, <laughs> he's he's bloody Helsing good. Like, who that? In. <laughs> yeah, so... The thing I've read about him is he came into this story, apparently, after he claimed that two 16-year-old girls told him they'd seen two corpses rising from their graves. Ah, so um, that's probably and, the two girls that yeah, I said about earlier, yeah. I imagine so, yeah. And then he went on to say that apparently, uh, after this, one of the girls called Elizabeth fell sick. Um, and she seemed as though she was having her life drained from her. Surprise, mm. surprise. And then, of course, being the man of action that he is, he uh, visited the cemetery, apparently, with a cross and an iron stake and allegedly drove it for a coffin, as well as making a mess of a tomb. That is allegedly, I say there. I don't want to get done for liable here. <laughs> something that I read. <laughs> so theatrical, I love it. And the cool thing is, is there's still the old uh, BBC reports of this, so you can actually see them talking. Yeah. And uh, there's a great piece of, um, of Sean just going, my first report indicates... A vampire in Highgate Cemetery. <laughs> okay. Our first report indicated that there may be a vampire in Highgate Cemetery. There, it's amazing how much sort of like media storm, media frenzy this caused. Like this, this little, mm. this little case about a vampire. He said um, that he said it was a king vampire. He certainly did. Yeah. He said it was a king vampire who was a medieval black magician that had been resurrected by Satanists. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about layers. He's really lathering this one up. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> there, there's another bit that I read where it said he went. Um, he went on telly and he talked about his experience when passing Highgate Cemetery, and he said that he felt like he'd been attacked by psychic forces, but right. managed to use an incantation to ward them off. And apparently to him, that confirmed there was something evil in the cemetery. <laughs> so the, so before we even get into this, you can hear that these guys, like we said, they're real characters. Yes. And what I love about it is you think they would be working together, which would have been crazy enough anyway, these two crazy paranormal guys. But I love that they sort of straight away are batting heads. Yeah. And they both want to be king shit on this. They both want to be like the vampire expert, even though one of them is claiming it's not a vampire. Well, one thing I did read is that apparently initially they met one night in the cemetery together and they got talking. Apparently there's even a photo of them together, but they fell out pretty quickly because they both went to control the narrative. Yeah, this is what happens when you get big characters biting heads over something like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, so we said about the, the newspaper was February 1970, still in February. So this is like ramping up over the course of just over a month. Uh, February 13th, things uh, hit a fever pitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I take it you saw this about the mob? Yes. Yeah. Right. Like, so, was it 100 people? So I'll, I'll read um, just this paragraph. This is from, I read a lot of articles about this, but I like this is from a, a Vice article uh, titled uh, The Decades Long Rivalry of London's Two Vampire Hunters. And the way they put it is, um, 
It wasn't just the local media that jumped on the growing hysteria after both Manchester and Farrant declared they would destroy the evil figure they both claimed to be stalking Highgate, although Farrant consistently rubbished any notion of a real Hammer Horror-style vampire. The situation reached a fever pitch on Friday the 13th of February 1970 as Thames TV ran a programme on the unfolding saga the night before the scheduled hunt. Within hours of broadcast, dozens of hunters equipped with homemade steaks come from all corners of London descended on the cemetery bursting past the hastily assembled police cordon Jesus <laughs> I mean it really goes from just like oh someone said they saw something to like, yeah, classic, like pitchforks <laughs> and torches smashing played. in the graveyard to be a part oh, of this vampire God. hunt <laughs> um, but obviously this mob never actually caught a, a vampire. I think it was all sort of... Imagine caught, that. The, the police turned up and managed to sort of get it under control eventually. Shut it but down, yes. <laughs> I love the idea that at this time, 1970, the idea of someone saw a vampire in a graveyard is enough to have a TV special dedicated to it. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. The, the amount of coverage this thing got, it should have been like you know, page four on one of the absolute shit rag papers. <laughs> but this got big... If that came up on, like, a subtweet on Twitter, I wouldn't click on it. No, no exactly. <laughs> That's it. It's a clickbait title. Full yeah. on. I wouldn't even click on it, let alone rush down there to be a part of it. Like, it's it's mad. Like, people were really into this idea. And what I find weird about it is, like, we did that episode on vampires when we went mm. to Transylvania. And, um... I mean, the, the joke of that episode was we all just wanted to go to Transylvania. We'd talked about it before and we'd always wanted to go. Mm. So it was like, okay, well, let's turn it into a, a podcast trip and we'll say it's about vampires, even though they're not real. Like, they're a character, <laughs> they're a fiction, fictitious character. Yeah. But we did a whole episode about it and had a holiday. But I thought everyone knew. Like, we all know vampires. It's a character, right? It was invented yeah, damn right. for... Yeah. <laughs> for, like, fictional stories and stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the idea that people would be like, oh, there's a vampire in the graveyard, and as if it was a thing that could be enough yeah. that there's a TV special and people rushing down there. It just blew my mind. I couldn't believe that the nation got this wrapped up in it. Yeah, especially in like the relatively modern age as well. I mean, this isn't like the 1800s. This is you know, the age of television and of radio. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the situation continued. Um, a little while later, woman's desecrated remains were found. Oh, God, yeah, is this one of the cut the head off? Yeah, that's it. Charred and headless. Mm. And it's the, the kind of series of events over the course of the year of 1970 is a little bit muddled. Different people are saying it happened in different orders. But basically, you've got this this desecrated remains. Um, you've got, uh, what's his name? Manchester walking around the, regularly with garlic, holy water and incense in yep. and around the tombs. I think one of the stories I read, he, he like climbed in through the roof or something. <laughs> he couldn't Christ. get in the front door. So he <laughs> dropped in for a hole in the roof and started spreading incense around or something wow. like that. He's really going off on one. Um, and then in August of that year, so the same year, same month, the desecrated remains were found. Farron was arrested um, in the churchyard walking around with a crucifix and a wooden stake. Yeah, I read about this, yeah. I got caught by a flashlight. I was taken to Kentish Town Police Station and interrogated about stories of a vampire. I refused to give my name. At first, I refused to give my address. 
I refused to name the other people, quite simply because they weren't doing anything wrong and the attitude of the police seemed quite aggressive. They'd heard stories of vampires and all this sort of thing and there's all the vandalism and desecration up there, so I wasn't about to name other people. They implied that he was... Um, well, he sued News of the World because they implied... When he was arrested, they implied that he was um, going around killing cats. Yeah, there, there was. I read something about there was a musician who claimed that he had abducted his cat. Oh, I didn't hear that. Like it got pub- it got published in the paper. And, right. Uh, yeah, apparently he sued that guy for libel because um, the cat turned up and it was absolutely a okay. Ah, interesting. Because all of these things I was reading, they all said like he was arrested in August. Um, I love that he was arrested. Like they found him walking around the graveyard when they arrested him. Like, okay, where is he? Let's check the graveyard. And he's walking around the most comical situation, like got red hand over a crucifix and, a, and everything in his hand. It, it gets a little bit weirder as well because, as well as the musician accusing David of kidnapping his cat, uh, apparently David was sending voodoo dolls to people as well. Yeah, so, I read that. Yeah, apparently he sent one to an RSPCA inspector and another to a doctor's wife, and they were apparently people who had called for him to be arrested for cruelty to animals right the the, the police did go after him but apparently he said that he wasn't trying to cause any harm he just wanted people to reflect on their actions um but but then um david sent two police officers voodoo dolls after a friend of his got arrested yes that's what i'm thinking of with the voodoo dolls yeah yeah and then the, the police come to arrest david and apparently during the arrest he was he had some massive fire going inside some old abandoned house and he claimed that he was trying to summon the spirit of the house. Wow. Um, and yes, they did him for arson initially. He was a real kook. <laughs> Dude, just straight up crazy. In fair yeah. play. But yeah, it was, um, it was pretty full on. And uh, yeah, he got let off though. He uh, didn't, didn't serve any prison time, which I found quite amazing. He was eventually... Is that in... Um... So that was in 73? Yeah. He was jailed in 74? Yes, he was. Um, That was for grave desecration, which he denied. Yeah. Um, Which I've got here. But also, so in 73, yeah, so he sued the News of the World for implying that he was this cat killer, which Mm. he denied fervently. But um, something else happened in 1973. Oh, actually, you know what? Yeah, 73. Yeah, so April 73. Have you got mm. what happened then? This was something that happened that really made me go, what the hell? I don't think so, no. So this is the um, the jewel? Oh, yes! Yes, the, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, the jewel. This is what I mean about the, the dates and the order of these events is all over the place in my notes. Because yeah. everywhere I was reading, they're saying it happened at different times. And some of them are saying different years, even. Yeah, it's not very clear. My notes are all over the place. It's a little bit like um, like a, a a wall with bits of string and stuff everywhere. I've got like mm. note, lines all over my notes saying like, no, no, I think this happened first. This happened it's first. It's very so, Charlie Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so April seventeenth is the best date I could get on this. Um, was the magical jewel? Did you, what What did you see about that? Yeah. Fuck. I, I, just, I loved that it was billed as a wizard's jewel. That's amazing. <laughs> I would be there, man. This is the bit where I got to it in the story. After shaking my head like many times, I got to this uh, this paragraph and was like, yeah, it actually made me laugh out loud when I read mm. it. Like, oh, these guys. 
Yeah, and the, apparently the uh, the press went nuts on it though. They um they started making claims about how rituals were going to take place and there was going to be uh, animal abuse and the the spells were going to be used and it's just going to be like a big sort of a cult ceremony and apparently they shut it down. There were but, flyers for it everywhere and stuff. There were, yeah, it got pretty pretty intense. Yeah, they really were going to they both claimed that they were going to have this magical jewel. It was like a properly like we declare a jewel. Mm. Which is from these two lunatics. It was to take place on uh, Parliament Hill in Hampstead. That's it. It's a very busy yeah. area. Yeah. yeah. And apparently David Farron didn't show up, but Sean Manchester did and performed a ritual in front of the press to get rid of the negative energy from David. I read. That's interesting. Because I find that the different reports you read, like, it's like they slightly take in one side or the other. So the, the the ones that I read, maybe they were more on Farron's side, where they're like, "Oh, they they between them they called it off." Mm. But um, I actually I believe that Farron didn't show, and Manchester started acting <laughs> the prat, <laughs> or they did call it off, and Manchester went anyway to make Farron look like a prat. Yeah, I imagine yeah. so. So yeah, so the magical jewel, and then by the end of 1973, so a lot of this is happening. So the main events here is 1970 to 1973. Yes. Um, but by the end of 1973, that's when Sean Manchester sort of crawled out of the woodwork and said, oh, by the way, I killed it. Yeah, he's probably one of the most interesting characters in this piece, actually. Like, it's it's hard to do him justice, uh, to try to sort of sum him up. But <laughs> what I read from him, you know, I said earlier how um, he, he started talking about the two girls that come to him, they saw the corpses rise, and one of them started feeling drained. Yeah. Uh, so she was called Elizabeth. Um, apparently, what I read was that Sean Manchester reached out to Elizabeth like, a few weeks later to find out what was happening after the uh, initial bite and energy draining. Um and he found her to still be sick. And then he spoke to her boyfriend, Keith. And you can find videos of uh, Keith online as well. There's some out there. Um, and Keith reported that she was looking gaunt and pale and more so every day. Um, Keith also found some marks on Elizabeth's neck. And Sean Manchester, of course, said that they were puncture wounds. Mm. Um, Keith then went on to claim that he heard demonic voices come from Elizabeth's mouth, which said, I'm going to bring you both down. So then, apparently, Sean and Keith conducted various rituals to try and get uh, to try and rid Elizabeth of whatever was possessing her. And according to them, they got better. Uh, sorry, she got better. So uh, allegedly, problem solved. Okay. I was lying in bed, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and a very deep voice, almost a male voice, came out of her mouth saying, "I'm going to bring both of you down." I hadn't included the possibility of it being a vampire because I hadn't even thought of that or realised the existence of vampires. But then, when Bishop Manchester spoke to me and explained about the legions of the undead, thereafter, everything fitted and totally made sense. But then there was a lot that went on after that as well, because yeah, that, that's when it went back to um, what you were saying about uh, his King Vampire Theory. That's yeah, what he said, yeah. espousing that and getting in the press and... Um, both loved insulting each other. I yes. found it f- quite funny just how vicious they got with each other. They really, really didn't like each other. One of the things that really caused them to fall out was a broadcast where Sean Manchester went on TV and said about David Farron that he believed that he didn't possess the sufficient knowledge to deal with something as evil or as powerful as this vampire and may well fall victim as a result. 
Ooh. I love that. It's just like, you're weak. <laughs> <laughs> I love this really serious rivalry over something that I deem to be so nonsense. I like... know, it's great. I'll say it's like, um, it's, it's almost like playing D&D and someone's trying to shit over your role play and you're like, dude, I'm just trying to do my yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it's almost like they're both... I don't honestly. They don't actually believe they're vampire hunters, do they? Do they actually, or do they? Maybe the way I see it is they don't. They can't believe it, so no. they're almost worried about each other, like shitting on their own role play. Like we know what we're doing here, right? Don't fuck this up. Yes, yeah, is it? Yeah, trying to just belittle the other one, and uh, yeah. I know what's really good. I'm on the here. real one. This guy's yeah. a joke, that sort of thing. So. For, for for listeners who might have a few quid in their pocket, um, you can actually buy a book about this by Sean Manchester called The Highgate Vampire, The Infernal World of the Undead, Unearthed at London's Highgate Cemetery and Environs. And that will set you back 70 quid. Wow. Yeah. So what yeah. I loved about that, I saw that, that was published in 1985. Yeah. And then in 1991, Farron was like, I'm getting in on this to publish his own book, which was beyond the highgate vampire <laughs> well interestingly if if, if you look at uh, the ver- there's a couple of versions that are available on amazon i'm actually looking at uh, what must be version two which is july the 1st 1991 so i think he must have re-released it mm. just to have a pop-up fan oh definitely definitely <laughs> oh brilliant so there's, there was a, a little more follow-up, actually, about the Sean Manchester stuff. Like, after he'd gone and got the spirit out of uh, Elizabeth, apparently in that book of his, he claimed that he'd expelled the spirit from her, but it then found its way into a woman called Lucia. Um, and apparently Lucia found herself drawn to Highgate Cemetery and found she had puncture marks on her neck. Surprise, surprise. Right, okay. And then... This just gets bonkers. So apparently Sean was led down into the catacombs by Lucia and was lowered down into a tomb via a rope. Uh, He said that he thought a vampire lived there because there was one coffin too many and some of the others were empty. So he splashed holy water on the coffins and then bailed. Um, It carried on exploring the cemetery and then later on apparently Lucia leads him to another part where they find the vampire in its coffin. Um, He was apparently dissuaded from staking it in the heart by one of the people who he is with. So instead he allegedly exorcised the vampire and convinced the cemetery owners to seal the tomb with garlic infused concrete. (laughs) Yeah, I remember reading that. Oh, That's hilarious. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. But then it, then it goes on to say that um, apparently in 1982, he went on to track the vampire down at an abandoned mansion just a couple of miles away from Highgate. Um, he, him and his like, vampire-killing mates uh, apparently went to stake the vampire, but Lucia was bitten during the encounter, so she was with them still. Um, Sean claims that he tried to exercise the spirit from the woman, but Apparently she turned into a spider the size of a cat. Oh, I didn't see this bit. <laughs> and he ended up killing it. I did not see that bit. Wow. It's bonkers. I'd be tempted to buy the book, but I'm not wasting my money on that dross. I mean it's 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 a bit of a a bit of a shitty ending, a bit of an ass pull, if you ask me. Yeah. I explore those regions which remain even to this day unexplored. I pioneer the frontiers which remain totally untracked. So that was what Manchester got up to. Farron, um, he ran in the 1978 general election um, for Hornsey. Oh, God, I didn't read that. 
Did you still see that? No, God. This is for Hornsey. He ran in the 1978 general election for the Wicker Workers Party. Um, And their main sort of uh, policies were about free sex and nudity. Oh, fair dues. (laughs) Fight for what you believe in. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they're both interesting guys, just in different ways, I think. Their only cross-section is vampires, of which one of them says they don't actually believe in vampires. Yes. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, and then like I said, uh, Farron, next highlight of Farron really was when me and Tiss saw him, <laughs> and then yeah, unfortunately he died April 2019. Mm. What the vampire actually was, is indeed, is something perhaps we will never know. Perhaps it is only a matter that can remain a speculation. As to the question of whether a vampire still exists, at Highgate Cemetery. Well, I can only say yes, it does. But yeah, Manchester's still about, isn't he? He is, yeah. And I read that he became a bishop. Sounds about right. Yeah. This, it's just in that story, when it got to that part at the end, I was just like, yeah, why not? Why not? I just accepted it. I swear he said, like, when he first came on the scene, even um, in 1970, he was said he was, like, some sort of bishop or archbishop of some church that no one had heard of. Oh, He I was see. making claims <laughs> way back then as well, even. Oh, so it could just be bullshit. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. In the same way that I'm an archbishop, he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotcha. It was, like, some church that, like, no one had ever heard of. Yeah. But did that just add to the mystery? There's always one. Something that I did quite like, though, is um, as the years rolled on, um, the two of them took their feud online and would just start having petty little arguments on oh, the I internet, even in like the early days of the internet. I they're finding it. ways just to sort of stab at each other. It's great. To stake at each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really tickled by this rivalry between these two um, vampire maniacs. Uh, they're very. It's like, then, unless they were digging up corpses defiling them mm. i was going to say they're totally harmless but fun yeah that's that's believe taking them on their word that they weren't desecrated maybe they were the people that desecrated these tombs in which case not great to me it seems like it's sort of product of the time you had all that sort of yeah. media hype as well as it being in the popular culture anyway because of these hammer horror films which were revolutionary at the time yeah and you know it's it's kind of that cool thing isn't it for like teenagers to go hang down the graveyard you know, especially oh, yeah. when it's one like that that's amazing when it's sprawling that'd be kind of cool and then I, th- I think it must have almost become like a scene and they just got wrapped up in it and they got wrapped up in their stories and they realised it got some attention and it's all just fun. I can see me as a teenager in that time getting like caught up in the like, let's go to the graveyard at oh, night. Oh yeah, and... we're going vampire hunting boys. I mean, I-, I used to hang out in the graveyard at night when I was a teenager anyway. Bingo, and I wasn't, all I was it. Yeah, I wasn't ex- exactly like a goth or anything. It's just like... Yeah, teenager shit. Yeah. Somewhere to hang out. See yeah. if you see a ghost. <laughs> um yeah i mean that oh uh, yeah i'm not gonna go into that i was about to say about <laughs> people used to shag in the graveyard and stuff okay <laughs> that wasn't in my village uh, i'm not even gonna say which village that was in it was notorious that graveyard <laughs> yeah, cut that right. bit. <laughs> i'll just beep it out <laughs> So that was the, that's the main um, events from the Highgate Vampire story. I don't know if you had any other stuff you wanted to drop in there. 
No, I mean, that, that's about it, really. I mean, it's it's just one of those sort of storm-in-the-teacup situations which spiralled off in really bizarre ways. Like, it's something that just sounds like it should be so non-event, but mm. as soon as you start sort of peeling all these little layers off, there's just so much weird shit going on. Like, you know, a dude sending voodoo dolls, people calling out each other on TV, fucking wizard jewels. It's, it's got everything. It's crazy. <laughs> it's... It, it literally just sounds like a mad D&D campaign that someone's done. Yeah, when I started reading it, I was expecting it to be like, oh, well, someone said they saw a vampire. It turns out it was a hoax. These guys, I knew there was two guys at the heart of it, and that was about it. I didn't realize there was wizard jewels and TV shows and, and mobs mm-hmm. turning up and stuff. That's really fun. It was really fun. Um, so first of all, what I'm going to do right here is put in the five-minute or so clip of me and my cousin walking around Highgate Cemetery to give yourself a vibe of this, the surroundings and also to hear how poorly researched my cousin's turn of events was as to what me and Rick have just put out there. <laughs> and even what me and Rick just did was a very cursory over, overview of it. So I'm going to put that in now. So we're uh, walking along Highgate Cemetery along the road. It looks ancient. It, I've never been to the cemetery. I know it's a famous cemetery. Look at this. Like the ground is just swallowing these like old tombs and gravestones. Like there's some really, yeah, it does look really old. It's a really old, weird, so creepy well. cemetery, and it's huge. This is just a part of London I've never been in. So yeah, this is a very strange yeah, place. And when you hear like the weird stories about sightings in Highgate Cemetery, and you imagine it in this big old place, it's well, we're here in the daytime, but I can imagine at night there are so many. It's quite an eerie place now. And we're not even in it yet, we're just walking along the road. Yeah, I know we're not allowed in all of the cemetery, but I know I think we're allowed in some of it, so. It's big, isn't it? Yeah, huge. Well, okay, this will do, yeah. Right, so Highgate Cemetery. So yeah, um, basically I, I when I when I researched it, you've got the the mystery around the uh, Highgate vampire. That's what I've heard of. I'll tell you where I heard of the Highgate Vampire. Where? Just to clear up with listeners. Uh, if you remember last year me and Tiss went to a oh, yeah, thing like in Reading the, speech, the yeah. seriously thing seriously strange the guy the one who didn't listen to anyone who listened to the vampire guy yeah yeah the guy who found who knew about the vampire the Highgate vampire yep. who was like in the middle of that <clears throat> whole the whole shenanigans surrounding that okay he did a talk there about it okay and that's what uh, but he basically is. came on stage and was like right I never said I saw any blood sucking vampire and uh, he didn't want to talk about vampires. <laughs> he really yeah, disappointed yeah. everyone. Yeah, and he wouldn't speak into the microphone. No one could understand him. <laughs> and he got like ushered off stage. And then someone asked him a question. And he was like, what are you, what are you bleeding saying? He got all that like, angry. <laughs> and it was like a real like muted like clap at the end as he went. And it was my highlight of the day. It was amazing. Um, so what's the actual story about the Highgate vampire? It was basically, it was a guy called... Um, <laughs> called what was his name? <laughs> Good old Jim. Um, no, basically, I have it on my phone. Basically, in the in the cemetery, two guys and people were saying that they were spotting a vampire amongst or a figure in the graveyard. Hmm. And this guy kind of got like a bit carried away with it. When I read this or when researched it, to me, like I'm calling bullshit on this one straight away because. Well, you think they saw anything, or do you think they saw something but then it was like? No, it's a I think I think the whole story I think was a bit of a publicity stunt when I was researching it. Right. So basically, um, what's his name? Right. So basically, like one of the, this guy basically went to go and have a look because he thought Satanists were behind like resurrecting this 
vampire that came from Europe in a coffin. Oh, really? So he thought, like, Satanists were behind it. So then he said to the... He, like, told everyone that he'd seen it originally. Right. But then he went down there as, like, a vampire hunter. And, like, him and this other guy were, like, competing to, like, try and find it, to, like, build it up <laughs> in the papers. Like a TV show. Yeah, I know. It's Sounds ridiculous. like a reality it's show. So, it's so ridiculous. Um, I'm trying to find... Right, so one was called uh, Sean Manchester. Right. And that was the other guy that I read about. I can't remember his bloody name. Oh, right. annoy me now. Um, uh, Farrett, there you go. So, Sean David Manchester. Farrett, he's the guy yeah, who's yeah. there. Yeah, He's Farrett. the guy who I met. He's the one... Oh, you yeah, met him. That's the guy that's who he met was David like, Farrett. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he's the one. He's the one I'm reading about. that's doing my head in because right. him and Sean went against each other to go and find this vampire in Highgate. Right. And uh, in this picture here, that's him. Like, obviously, for the papers, like pose. So he's put like a cross together. <laughs> he's put right. a cross out of two bits of wood stuck together and then went down the stake. Right. So basically, he went down there, and in the paper I read from the time, which I think was 1970s, kind of that time. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't believe that's the guy I met. Yeah, this yeah. is him young. He's an idiot. Like, he was amazing. He's an interview. I saw an interview of him. Like, <laughs> but basically, he got um, he got arrested because he was like going down there. And I said, "What are you doing down there?" And he's like, "I'm on the hunt for it." And they're like, "You you been you know people were scared of you being down there with this steak and all the rest of it." Mm. So he kept trying to sneak back down there and stuff, and like just kept getting arrested because he was just trying to find it. Right. Because he's the one who initially said he saw something in Highgate, and then Sean also said it, but then they. He had, <laughs> Thing with David, say he had no evidence. Right. So one of them said, "Oh, there's loads of foxes turning up dead, but no one knows what's killing them." And then the other one who didn't have any information was like, "Well, that's what. That's obviously the Highgate vampire." David Farrant was basically making out of the talk like, "I never saw." Said I saw. He kept saying every time he said vampire, he wouldn't say it. He would say, "Blood sucking vampire," like that. He was just like he saw a figure, and then everyone misconstrued it as to it was a vampire. But if he was literally taking pictures of him like holding steaks, like sneaking, yeah. then he's full of shit. No, that's what I mean. But they, apparently, he went in and was like building up, and it was what I think it was a publicity thing because yeah. he was getting publicity and became a celeb. And he's now a trained psychic who's released a book about the Highgate vampire. So, Mr. Grumpy on stage saying he don't want to talk about it. Why would he then go and release a book? And his whole career has all been made around the Highgate vampire. He's he started his uh, speech by trying to hook up a. Laptop <laughs> to the projector. You see what I mean? He's always been ridiculous. And um, just playing a documentary about the Highgate vampire for like yeah. the first 20 minutes of his talk. He's on YouTube. You type in Highgate vampire, he's the first guy you see with yeah, like grey yeah. hair he hanging down. He's got like longish grey hair. Yeah. yeah. He, was, he was just the highlight of that day. It was unbelievable. Yeah, so you actually met the guy who's like around this, which is yeah, so yeah. It's quite big at the time when it came out. Like um, people were really scared because originally it was figures and it was other people who said that they'd seen them, but. David almost was like, I'll find it and kill it. The hosts were like so excited to introduce him. Yeah. They were like, oh, I'm with us today. The like the man in the hi- in the middle of the Highgate vampire, you know, conspiracy, Mr. David Farrant. And they were like waving him on stage. And yeah, he was he just like, oh, like trying to hook up his thing on stage. And like you could see like that. <laughs> as soon as he started talking, they were like, oh, God. Like, their faces. What, what, what the most face? enjoyment I could get was watching the organisers' faces when he started going off on one. What we that's the only way I can explain it. He went off on one. Well, I don't know. If, to be fair, if, you, if, you're, if you're that type of person that you're basing your life hunting a vampire, did he believe it or was he playing up to papers? I think a bit of both. Like, mm. But the fact he's saying he hates it and he's still doing it, I don't really know. But uh, the idea of the actual va- what's the, the story is more about him in the papers going after it than the actual vampire itself. Yeah. There isn't actually much about the creature. It's more about the, someone saw a figure, dead foxes turned up, and no one knew what was killing them. Mm. But then David added, "Oh yeah, they're being attacked by the neck." And it's like, from what they? I could hear, it was just like people were seeing like a tall figure, 
And then people like vampire straight away. Yeah, yeah. There was no kind of link to vampire. Like really, the only thing was the fox thing, but that was like loosely based. So I, I think a couple of dead foxes turned up, and then he was like, "Oh, that's definitely the vampire." Right. When no, it's just a couple of dead foxes because something's happened. Right. So this one instantly, like when I read it, I was getting more and more annoyed because like the more I got into it, it was like already there were like. Normally, when they what annoy like do you know what I mean to, to write about ghosts and it's it's crap. But they're like, some would believe, or like it's yeah. worded in a way that you're like, oh, okay, I don't necessarily believe this, but it's worded well, and it, and it seems like it could be a possibility. Whereas this one, straight away, it was like, hang on, there's too many loose ends here to begin with, mm. and David's like trying to keep it all together in his little pot, and I'm like, well, David, like, it's ridiculous, you were down there. Give up, David. You were Just down with a Sunday mirror of your steak, going around catacombs, and then got arrested because you are on private property. Mm. Trying to hunt something, like, do you know what I mean? And then he made up all this stuff about, and it's, it's, when I kept reading, his statements kept changing. So yeah. originally he was like, oh, it's a European vampire that came over with Satanists. And then he was like, oh, I never said that, but it definitely was a vampire from Europe. I didn't say about Satanists. So he kept, like, changing his story, apparently. Okay, so you don't really go much for the Highgate vampire. I think the Highgate vampire was a massive publicity stunt. And I think right. it got built up because, like, people like David were feeding the fire constantly and making lies up to keep adding to the story. Okay. I think the actual facts behind it and what it was actually involved in are re- relatively small and not... There, there, isn't, there aren't much facts. I think it's all fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, there may have been a thing initially and other people who weren't David said they saw it. So there could have been something in the graveyard, but... What do you think it was if it wasn't a blood-sucking vampire? I don't know. It's just spirit of someone in the graveyard. I don't... It's really weird. Like I, lo- I love the concept of vampires, but I firmly believe that it's just too ludicrous for a vampire to be. I don't. Do you know what I mean? Do you think vampires are fictional? Yeah. Yeah. They're they're created. They're That's the conclusion we came to in Transylvania. Yeah. They are just an amazingly well-made character that was made up. Yeah. Whereas ghosts, kind of like people, will have accounts of ghosts, but I don't know many people who are like I've definitely seen a vampire, and it's kind of mm. like the idea that like hanging in Highgate. Like we're around here. It's like seeing a mummy. We're around here at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit Scooby. It's like a it's really a bit cool. Scooby, it's a bit Scooby Doo. Yeah, it? it's a really cool like monster character, creepy stories. But I can't. I don't think a mummy's real. People, mummies are real. Like people mummified. Yeah. And people saw them and thought, well, that's a cool creature for like books and films or whatever. And it's the same with vampires. It's just like folklore, Romanian folklore. I would. I'd like. I like the idea if they were like. I don't. I wouldn't like the idea. <laughs> I don't know. I think again, like if this whole vampire thing, like around this area, if there was a vampire, like surely there would be like a uh, people who had been murdered or hmm. all the rest of it. There's none of that. Um, the only thing that I could say that maybe these figures were like that logically would make sense is David says about like Satanists used to use the graveyard for like black magic. So mm-hmm. maybe if there was like a weird group like that. See, to me, that's creepier because that's real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So some you can weird to Satanists that. went been, into yeah, that graveyard and did Satanist some black magic. Yeah, potentially. Which is where he. I believe that. So maybe if there were weird figures hanging around, it could have been people like that yeah. around this area who like some lanky goth who was going to do some yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone did. But if you saw that at night and there's someone hanging about in there in like cloaks mm. and stuff like that, you know, because people dress as vampires. Like that's, that's why a, they close it now. That's a common thing, though, isn't it? People dress as vampires. Mm. You know, and goths like you know look at gothic people and the kind of clothing they wear. Like if you saw someone at night in there with that kind of style on it, you could easily mistake it for. So I could understand where it came from initially, but I think it just got built up. Mm. You used to be a goth, didn't you? Stuart has done out. Let's go look at this building. Have it? you got any other stories from Highgate? No. Oh, I have. Do you want to walk and talk? So, well, yeah. So, how close was that? How close is what I've set to what you researched? I don't. I didn't research. I left that one to you. Oh, completely okay. Yeah, so that was all new to you. Look. Yeah. I knew. I I'd heard of. I love that you'd met him though. That's I'd heard of the Highgate vampire, 
and I'd met David Fran. I couldn't really hear what he was talking about because he wasn't speaking into the mic. Um, <laughs> and I knew we'd come here today, so I thought, oh, I'll chuck that one to James. And now what I was going to do is, um, I thought it might be fun, while we're talking about vampires, uh, to quickly go over a couple of uh, other UK vampire cases. Oh, yeah. So I have here, um, this is from the website spookyisles.com, and I found an article called England's Six Most Terrifying Historic Vampire Cases. Oh, go on. What we got? So I thought we could uh, take it in turns to read a couple of these, because they're, they're short little little snippets. Yeah, sweet. Um, so I'll let you go first, Rick. I'll, I'll send you the story of the vampire of Berwick. I'm just going to drop it into the um, Skype chat. Is it Berwick or is it Berwick? Oh, I've always said Berwick, but I'm probably wrong, because I always called it um, Berkeley Square, and then I got razzed when someone <laughs> told me it was Berkeley Square. When I say somebody, I mean Nikki Truce from Macabre London when she took me round and we visited Berkeley Square. Uh, I yes. said, I'm still calling it Berkeley. And um, <laughs> she was razzing me the rest of the day afterwards. So this is Berkeley Square? Yep. So Berkeley or Barclay, depending Barclay. on how you say it. How do you say it? Um, I say Barclay. Right, I'm going to say Barclay then. Because I'm posh. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not but posh. I'm going to be posh for today. <laughs> so here we go. So what are you saying it is? Bowick? Be- be- Berwick. 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 Yeah, Berwick. Berwick on, Berwick yeah, upon you're right. You know, you know. Looking at it now, the way it's written, I'm saying you're definitely right, Berwick. Oh yeah, but we got some really fucking weird spelt places like Loughborough. You know. Yeah, tell me about it. Right. Okay. So, story number one: the earliest known account of a vampire-like being or revenant comes to us from the Northumbrian town of Berwick upon Tweed, in his 12th century history of England or Historia Rerum Angelericum. From my guess. Now you know why I let you go first. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> William of Newburgh tells the story of a revenant terrorising the town and its people. Newburgh details that following the death of a wealthy man, people reported seeing him rise from his grave and roam the streets. The superstitious mm. townspeople, of course, believed the devil was at work, and if they didn't act quickly, a plague would spread. Of course. Of course. They feared that whatever this man would spread would be turning others into horrific beings just like him. The townspeople followed the man back to his grave when the sun peeked over the horizon. They opened his grave and went about the business of dismembering his body and burning it. According to Newborough, the Revenant no longer haunted the town, but the plague did spread, killing dozens. And those dozens, thankfully, remained in their graves. There you go. <laughs> I like the idea, like, oh, we're just going to go down and rip this corpse apart and just say <laughs> yeah. it was a vampire, and apparently that's fine. What's funny is I I, I picked a few of these out because they looked short enough for us to go over. I haven't actually mm. read them, so this is it's my first time seeing that story myself. Um, well, there you go. Apparently it's fine. If you say it's a vampire, you can just go and rip, open a tomb, rip a corpse up, do whatever you want. <laughs> no questions. Okay, so I've got the Hunchback of Al Nico. Northumberland, a county in the north, has long been known for its generous collection of medieval castles. One of these castles, the millennium-old Al Nico Castle, is the home of the Duke of Northumberland and was the inspiration for Hogwarts. Although it has this pleasant history, something dark once called the Castle Home, a hunchbacked vampire that fed on the blood of the locals many centuries ago. Coming to us again from William of William of Nuber, that's who was in yours, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Oh, coming to us again, coming to us again from William of Nuber is the story of a disfigured horror that brought both terror and disease to the people of Northumberland. Uh, according to Newburgh, 
Is it Nubra? Newberg? Nubra. 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 Again, English language. Um, <laughs> this hunchbacked vampire would come from his hiding place in the castle, raid the villages, and feed upon the weak and vulnerable. Mm. One night, the people grew tired of the monster and cornered him with pitchforks and set the living nightmare ablaze, cool. reducing him to ash. They were finally free of this terror that came in the night. I like it. Classic. A lot more animated than the, the one that I read. Um, well, you've got another one here. Well, this one's this one's a bit meatier by the looks of it. That's this right. is... Um, oh, maybe not. Okay, so this is the Blandford vampire. Blandford. I've driven through Blandford many a time. Blandford Forum. Right. Well, that's, right. quite, that's quite long. So, a common superstition concerning vampires is if a Christian defies God by killing themselves, they will be forced to wander the world as a vampire. This superstition is commonly found among the religious peoples of Eastern Europe. However, in the town of Blandford, Dorset, it would seem the local people believe this superstition from a faraway land. Blandford... Dorset is a charming market town and a popular tourist destination. Despite this, Blandford is also home to a haunting take of vampirism. According to legend, William Doggett stole a large sum of money from his master whilst he travelled abroad. When his master returned, Doggett was so terrified his his treachery would be discovered that he put a gun to his head and ended his miserable life. <laughs> his miserable life. I know, emphasis. <laughs> But that was not the end of William Doggett. Oh, no. Oh. For more than a century following his suicide, the blood-soaked blood spectra of William Doggett were witnessed speeding through the town in a black carriage pulled by a jet-black demonic steeds. I like that. Not just any steeds. The ghost of Doggett was known to corner young women in the street or crawl in their windows to feast upon their blood. When Doggett's body was disinterred, it showed no evidence of decay. Not all legends of English vampires can be found in the country's past... The last two are a more recent vintage. Over to you, Bob. Actually, I've got one more that I missed. So the, after this, the next two are a more recent vintage. There's one from further <laughs> up the list called the Croglin Vampire. Ooh. Following the years of the English Civil War, there were stories of a being born of mankind's darkest dreams stalking the village of Croglin. Uh, do you know where Croglin is? No Rick? idea. I've never heard of it. It sounds like it's either in Cornwall or Wales. Hmm. Those who saw the being and lived to tell the tale described the vaguely human creature as having brown, shriveled skin and long, grotesque fingers that it used to seize young women by the throat. Uh, one well-known story comes from a house in the region called Croglin Grange. The vampire allegedly, allegedly uh, visited a young woman nightly and fed upon her until she fell ill. One night, her brother busted in and wounded the fleeing creature with a gunshot to its leg. When they tracked the vampire to his tomb, they found it sleeping in a coffin. They smashed the coffin and proceeded to burn the vampire as it slumbered. Historians believe the alleged creature of the night was actually a murderous madman with a history of attacking people. It makes more <laughs> sense. <laughs> Whatever the case may be, the nighttime attack ceased. Right, okay. I was really into that one until they're like, oh, and by the way, it might not be real. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably just some nutter. I found, uh, I found Kroglin, by the way. It's, um, it's just north of the Lake District. Oh, okay. Yeah, so not, not too far from me, actually. Probably about an hour's drive north. Looks tiny. It's probably near to... It must be near to my mum. Absolutely tiny little place. But it does have a five-star rated hotel called the Robin Hood Inn. 
Oh, there you go. If you want to go and uh, I was going to say find a vampire, but apparently he's dead. Well, it says it says here that local pub uh, that is a known local uh, that's recently been refurbished and has a brilliant atmosphere. So there you go. Worth a visit. Next weird tales trip. Spon- this, this episode is sponsored by the uh, the Robin Hood Inn. I've lost the next one. Oh, here we go. The Surrey Vampire. It's yours. Right. And this one's really short. Okay. Close to London is Surrey. And in the 1930s, some mysterious creature was on a bloodthirsty hunt. In 1938, a woman claimed that on three separate occasions, a creature she called a vampire swooped out of the sky and attacked her. She further stated that whenever the creature went, sorry, whenever the creature attempted to bite her neck. Oh, no, wait. She further stated that whatever the creature was attempted to bite her neck and suck her blood. They missed a bloody comma there. He needs a bloody comma there. Come on, oh, I'm an English language student here. This is irritating me. <laughs> whatever this bizarre creature was, it was ne- it never ascertained whether it was a vampire or something found in the natural world. Mm. And I've got the last one here, the Birmingham vampire. And this is from 2005. I was going to say on that last one, you think a vampire would like mix it up a bit. Why don't they just attack the same person? Yeah, I know. You think they want to get, unless I was going to say, you think they want to get like a nice mix of blood. But if you find a good source, I suppose. But I say, get notorious, isn't it? It's like finding a nice whiskey. You're like, oh, well, I'll get that again. I can't believe the vampires under sort of like skulking in some dank sewer somewhere. You know, I picture like the sort of cool high society vampires. Yeah, I like that. I like the I like sexy vampires more, but not too oh, sexy. Yeah. I want yeah. them to be like debonair. Yeah, not 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 Twilight. No, Let's yeah. There's clear. a limit. There's a sexiness limit, which I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, you know, like um, Act 1 interview with a vampire? Yeah, that's there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the Birmingham vampire, this is 2005. Several citizens of Birmingham contacted the police with a bizarre story to tell. According to eyewitnesses, a vampire was on the loose in Glen Park Road, Ward End. <laughs> Just to narrow that down, I thought he was going to give me a postcode <laughs> after that. <laughs> The vampire allegedly bit a man and then viciously attacked his neighbours as they tried to fight him off. Is this in daylight? I don't Doesn't know. Sound, yeah. Sounds, maybe. It sounds like daylight when I'm talking of neighbours, mm. like I'm thinking about a punch up on the front lawn or something. <laughs> um, anyway, one woman said the terrifying monster bit her hand, tearing the meat away in chunks. Following the attacks, the Birmingham Evening Mail received several reports of alleged vampire attacks. When the media and police investigated, they found no evidence of a vampire rampaging across the city. This report of a vampire terrorising the city of Birmingham is likely nothing more than an urban legend. No shit. Yeah. Um, I'll leave it there. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> that, that, that last a... one really wasn't very vampiric for me. It was just like there was Not a guy who bit someone's hand in Birmingham. It just, it just sounded like a crackhead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sounded... Someone Jones in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a rampage. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a bit of a, a damp one to end it on, to be honest. I haven't got any more. A smidge, a smidge. But we, we can be safe in the knowledge that the inspiration for Dracula came from uh, Scottish shores, uh, which is part of our territories yeah. for now. And it's beautiful. And I've been to, uh, many times, uh, Whitby, Mm. vampire hotspot of the uk where um that's where dracula sails in in uh bram stoker's is bram stoker's dracula yeah uh, whitby bay there's actually um if we're talking vampires there's a very good um i think it was a bbc series uh i think it's on netflix as well and i think it's just called dracula mm-hmm. and it's like a three-part 
series. Oh, I know the one you mean. Um, yeah. Is that the one written by Mark Gatiss? Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's very good, except for I, I didn't like part three. Parts one yeah. and two were just amazing. This is what a lot of people keep telling me. I still have not, not got around to watching that, but a lot of people recommend that. I think you recommended that to me before. It's worth putting the time in. But I feel that last part is very like marmite I've heard people say, oh, it's amazing, or a lot of people <sighs> don't like it. It, it was it was passable. I see what they was trying to do, trying to update an old story. Right, but, trying to be a bit clever, clever. Yeah, but the, the, for the first two parts, portrayed Dracula fantastically. Mm. I think there's too much that makes him a little bit of sort of uh, almost like a pantomime villain. Yeah, but in this, they he, the actor is I can't remember the, the poor guy's name, but he's absolutely phenomenal. He does such a bang up job. And I would have to check that it's out. It's well written, well put together. Highly recommend it um whitby there's there's like a vampire museum or a dracula museum which i've never seen in i've walked past i've been to whitby a few times it's not that far from me it's about an hour's about an hour's drive east from me Mm. and um and you walk along the front it's if it was like a vampire museum and it was you know dark and dingy and creepy i'd be like well i'll go in there Mm. but it's right along the main front where it's fish and chip shops and arcades and you yeah. know like penny machines and things like that and candy floss and then you got the the dracula museum i'm like <laughs> oh every time i go i'm gonna go in there and i walk past and go oh, i'm not going in there today <laughs> but maybe next time i go there i will pop in with my recorder but i have been to up to whitby abbey and all that stuff and looked across the bay and if you go mm. to whitby abbey there's a lot of good uh, Dracula chintzy <laughs> stuff to buy in the gift shop, which I bet. I'm tempted by every time, like the Batman logo on a baseball cap, but it says Dracula and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you <laughs> should. Good Please. Stuff. Yeah. And I see so many people walking out of that gift shop carrying copies of Bram Stoker's Dracula that they've just bought because they're all like, inspired by being there. Like, oh, I'm going to read it. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. And it's still on the shelf. Yeah. It's a good book. It's a, it's a book with an amazing first act mm. and then a very boring middle. Yeah. And then it picks up a bit at the end. But that middle slump of, of Bram Stoker's Dracula is a bit to get through. Yeah, it's it's not the greatest. I mean, it's still a very interesting story. And I mean, look what it's when and spawned like in yes. popular culture. It's oh, bloody yeah. everywhere. I, mean, I love the first act, like the the stuff, the the transcripts between Mina Murray and, and Harker and all that stuff. Is re- that mm. stuff's really good. It's really claustrophobic and cool. Um, and if you, the audio book I've listened to, I know there's many versions. I can't remember which version I've listened to, but there's an audio book version which is really good. Um, but anyway, that's that's Dracula. We're just, I'm just going off on a vampire tangent now. So that's all I've got on the Highgate vampire, and I really enjoyed actually delving into this one properly. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that one. It's quite good. It's always interesting when we're doing a story, yeah, something with a, a, a definite end rather than something that just leaves a shrugging going, I don't know, could be aliens. Yeah, I, I do kind of like the idea that like in... It kind of went quite a bit with all different more sightings and Manchester like walking around doing garlic. And then at the end of 73, he was just like, oh, I staked it in the heart, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. Um, so that's that. So I think there's going to be another revisited um, in a few weeks time, maybe in a month's time or something. Sometime in April. I haven't got dates. Um, but sometime in April, there'll be another revisited with me and Rick uh, before Weird Tales starts again uh, regularly. And I think we've got an idea for what that's going to be. Uh, until then, if you want to get in contact, do so at, um, I forgot the email, wtatupod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and stuff. I'm the only one of us on Twitter now. Um, I'm the one who has to maintain that stuff because everyone left before me. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
But if you go to at Bob Shoy, it's at B-O-B-S-H-O-Y, you can contact me there. I'm not on there a lot. If you DM me, my DMs are open, so feel free to slide in and say hi. <laughs> um, you can do that. You can contact us there. You can contact us on the Facebook. But all those links and stuff, if you just go to weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com, all those links are there. Uh, there's ways to buy merchandise on there. There's ways to donate monetarily. It's all on there. And if you want to see any other stuff I work on, it's bobshoy.com. That's B-O-B-S-H-O-Y.com. And I think we're done. Cool. Yeah, that's about it. Have you got um, like a good punny ending? Oh. I, don't, I don't ever think about it. Nah. I forgot that I said I was going to bring the puns back this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we sort of did like a little push for like two episodes. Yeah, I remembered how much I hated them as soon as I said I was going to bring them back. Yeah, I mean, I've got nothing. Everything that comes into my head leads into a double entendre and I'm yeah. just not saying them. <laughs> okay, well, until next time, suck off. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than what I had. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> right, I'll end there. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.